in the fall. I took a break because we had Christmas message, and then, then I really felt led by the Lord to do the prayer message series. And so I want you to, to check those out on our website if you can ever get there. Um, but um, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. This message is very powerful. It's very important. So can, I, can you do a couple things? One is, can you turn your cell phone off or turn it quiet? And please don't get the text, you know. If it says there's a storm warning coming, it's not, you're here, so the snow's not coming till midnight. You're good, right? All right? Uh, now, if you're using your phone for your Bible or your iPad, you're, that's cool. But uh, no, no words with friends, Snapchatting. Uh, what are the other stuff? They don't do Angry Birds anymore. Now it's the Candy Crush. There's even a newer one, I guess, so... But I want you to focus because this is, this is something the Lord wants to speak to us about. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves in your sight. Spirit of God, would you speak to us this morning as we look in the Word? The words of Jesus are life. And so this morning we receive the words of Jesus. Would you breathe life into every person in this room? Would you breathe life into this church? Would you breathe life into every church in, in every country, Lord, for your gospel's sake, that we will be about your business? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew five thirteen through 16. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. So we're talking about Jesus. We did the Beatitudes. If you didn't get to hear those, go to the website, www.rockvilleag.com. Go to the podcast. Click on the podcast. I believe they're there. Uh, I did get on the website briefly this morning. It, took, it did take a long time. We had some issues. But if you go there, you can download or upload or listen to those messages uh, on any guests we've had. Uh, hopefully they're there. But you can go to the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. Those were very powerful. So I'm picking up now. So Jesus, uh, he spoke to, to believers and unbelievers and disciples, and it's what we call in the church world the Sermon on the Mount. So he gets up on this rock and he preaches to the people. He's there for a long time, and so uh, he's there for hours and hours, maybe the whole day. But so what, fortunately for you, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to break up the messages, okay? So here we go, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Amen? Awesome, right? So, so there's two t- powerful, useful items in the world today. How many of you know what salt is? Just a handful of you. Okay, how many of you know that probably every day some of you use salt, right? Okay, salt and light. How many of you know what light is? Okay, Pastor, we're smarter than that. Okay, I know that. I'm trying to get you awake, putting your arms up, hearing me. So, so, So salt and light, we need both, right, to survive. You do. I mean, you can get too much salt and you get too much light, but you, if you don't have salt and light, your life could end, uh, really, in, in some different ways. And so, as Jesus was moving from the Beatitudes, the heavenly characteristics, his next point was the salt and light. And, and the people that he talked to understood his concepts about salt being a preservative and, of course, light. Because back that day, they didn't have Frigidaire. They didn't have Kenmore. They didn't have refrigerators. Aren't refrigerators awesome? Come on, amen. I, I use it every day. I thank God for it, amen. I bless the Lord for it, that I, that I don't have to salt everything. And, and like, it's like, I love salt and stuff stuff. But, so in Jesus' time, the people understood what he meant by being salt, being a preservative. It kept food from rotting. And so he was talking about that. And, and then he talked about light, that, of course, light was needed. You needed light to see where you're going. The sun is good for you. Did you know that? Too much sun is, is not good for you, but you need the sun. 
And so he was using these two analogies and, and the people connected. And we can still connect, I believe, today because our world needs preservatives and it's called the gospel and it's called the church, the salt and light. And they need someone to lead them to Jesus. Amen? And so we are still called to be salt and light. So the first thing is this, the purpose of salt. Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now, some of you are very smart. Check this out. Here are some real uses of salt. Some of you have used this. Salt can be used for healing. Salt is a cleaning agent. It helps eliminate dye stains. I didn't know that. It helps get rid of IT stains on China. Let me say it again. It helps to rid tea stains on China. Does anybody know that? I didn't know that. It melts ice. We've known that very well this year, haven't we? It keeps you from slipping on ice. Isn't that good? You're not following me today. It's used to gargle for a sore throat. It's good for bathing tired feet. It's good for bee stings. It stops bleeding. It kills unpleasant odors in your garbage cans. Isn't that awesome? In washing, it keeps clothes sparkling white. It's a seasoning, making food taste better. It's a preservative, keeping things from spoiling. And it's an antiseptic, killing germs. So back in the older days, back in the times of Jesus, salt was actually used like, uh, like money, like, like gold. Uh, in China, it was, it was second to gold. In fact, the Roman soldiers often were paid in salt. In fact, the word salary, salary, the root word is salt. Did you know that? You, got, you can go away from I learned something in church today. So, so you, you can't say you don't ever learn anything in church. So, so the word salary comes from that. And, and that's where we get the term. Are you worth your weight in salt? Are you worth your salt, right? Not only in gold, but so salt was a, a commodity. So let's talk about this, okay? Let's talk about not only in the physical form, but letter A, salt is an antiseptic. Salt is an antiseptic. Mark 2.17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Matthew 10.8 then says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So in the, in the time of Jesus, society was sick and it was dying. It was decaying. Uh, and for instance, if a wound, if you get a cut, you get, you get a gash, if you don't clean it out, what can happen? What's that? Gets infected. So, I mean, it's gross, isn't it? Like, when, when your body gets infected, it shines and it hurts and it festers and it gets foul and it gets, stu- you know, stinky and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so, so, if you don't clean it out or if you don't put something in it, it, will, it can get worse. And you see, we live, right, and you have to agree with me, you, we live in a sick, polluted, becoming foul and offensive world. Would you agree with that? Come on, amen? Right? Right? And, and so, if the world is left to itself, it will fester and only get worse. Would you agree with that? Well, pastor, it's happening right now. Here's what God is saying to us. Because Jesus is in us, we are to be the spiritual antiseptic to a festering, sick world. God intended for you and I not to keep out of the world, but to get into the world with the salt of Jesus Christ. You see, in our society, we're trying to get away from society. We're trying to get away. The church is trying to get away from the lost people. But we need to get in their lives. Amen? So the second thing, salt makes one thirsty. Now, I don't go to bars. 
okay? But I've gone to bar and grills, okay? And so, so the bars get this. Salt makes one thirsty. It's, it's amazing that uh, even like if you, there's certain steak restaurants, in fact, uh, there's a hamburger joint just over here. I eat hamburgers once a while, and they put peanuts out there. And, and so what it is, have you ever noticed that they do that? Why do they do that? Why do they put salty peanuts and salty pretzels out? Salty popcorn. So you'll buy more beverages because they'll make more money, right? Come on, right? So the world understands this, that, that if, you know, at this bar and grill, this restaurant, if they have out salty peanuts, salty pretzels, for free, you're going to be thirsty, so you're going to buy more beverages. So you become thirsty, right? So the world, they seem uninterested in the gospel. You have friends who say, oh, I don't care about Jesus, I don't, but you know, the reality is they do, but the problem sometimes is the church is we're hiding our salt, we're not making them thirsty for Jesus, we're to make them thirsty. Your lifestyle through the Holy Spirit living through you and I should make them thirsty for Jesus. Come on, amen? How do we create a thirst for righteousness? It's God's anointing in us. You see, Jesus, in his time, made people thirsty for God. They wanted to be around him. They wanted to know what he had. They wanted to, to know his words. And you see, church, the more you and I become like Jesus, the more people are going to be drawn to Jesus. We can talk to you about it. Talk, I, can, I can push you out and say, go be like Jesus. But you have to be more like Jesus by wanting to be with Jesus. Amen? We can do all the classes on evangelism, but until you hang out with Jesus, people can't see him. Amen? So check this out. Salt in a salt shaker does what? Nothing. Right? If, if, if how many of you like mashed potatoes? Okay. Fufu. Rice. Any food that's bland? So if, if you have a shaker of salt and you know your food is bland, but you just keep looking at it and it sits there, what does it do to your food? Nothing. You have to do what? And you see, the problem is a lot of times in the church, we just want to go to church, but we don't want to be salt in our community. And God is trying to shake us out of the salt shaker. We're like holding on, you know, we're like, no, not me. That's Pastor Stan's job. That's Pastor Dan. You're holding on to the sides of the salt shaker. God's trying to shake you out. And you're like, not me. I'm not ready. I haven't gone through the classes. And God says, I don't care. I'm in you. Come on, this is good preaching. Amen. You see, our society needs the church to be salt and light this morning forever. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to send you out. And the problem is the church doesn't want to go out. We want to have fellowship. We want to keep singing praise songs. We want to go to more Bible studies. We want, more. we want more and more and more of God. And God said, you've got plenty of me now. Get out there. Come on, this is for the church today, amen? You see, an Arab sheikh was observing Arthur Blessed. Arthur Blessed has the Guinness World Record for walking around the world carrying a cross. And this Arab sheikh had, had saw him. He was in, I believe he was in Jordan. I'm on Jordan. He was at a hotel drinking some soda. And, and the sheikh said to him, listen to this, I want what you've got. I want what you've got because he was salty. In fact, then Arthur Blessed led this man to Christ and it opened a door for them to preach the gospel to the Muslims in that area. Why? Because Arthur Blessed said, I am salt. You see, your co-worker, your neighbor, your friend, your family, the people you play sports with, the people you shop with, the people you bowl with, whatever you do, they're wanting you to be salt. They need you to be salt. But you're like, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be obnoxious. You don't have to be obnoxious or offensive. You just need to be salt to them. Amen? So salt, letter C, salt is a preservative. Again, the crowd understood this. They, they knew this. They had no refrigeration. 
they would salt their meats and vegetables to keep them longer. In fact, if, if you leave meat out, especially, especially out in the Middle East area, if you leave meat out, it, it begins to do what? It rots. The flies come in and they put their eggs in there and you like, get extra protein. Isn't that awesome? You're getting grossed out, aren't you? And as you can tell, our world, listen, our world tends to decomposition. I mean, it's actually, our world is rotting away. Come on, right? It doesn't take a scientist to know that. It doesn't take a, a news media person. It just, you look outside. And you see, when the world is left to itself, it festers, it putrefies, for the germs of evil are everywhere, present and active. And you see, in the beginning, God made the world perfect. But what happened? They sinned. Remember, then he brought a flood and he, he destroyed, he's destroyed all of mankind, save Noah and his family. And now a few other times he wanted to destroy the earth because, again, it just kept getting wicked. Why? Because sin lives in us. And if you look at a world today, it's not really getting much better. And you know what the world needs? You. You are the preservative to keep this world from going to hell in a handbasket. Come on, you're the salt of the earth, amen? You see, when the world's left to itself, it's going to destroy itself. But the function of the church and the Christian is to be a, a preservation, preserving agent that retards decay. Isn't that awesome? You're a preservative agent. You're an agent for God. Okay, oh, that's great, Pastor. That's awesome. Well, what else can I do? Well, you can... Your presence. Check this out. Your presence. Your presence in your workplace, your home, your community. Your presence reduces crime. It restrains unethical uh, attitudes and, and, and corruption. It promotes honesty. It quickens the conscience. And it elevates the general moral atmosphere. When is a church going to realize that elections aren't going to change the world? The church is going to change the world. Being the preservative agent. Come on, amen? You are the preservative agent. Your life lifts up your workplace. Your life lifts up your sports team, your neighborhood, if you are actually being salt. But if you're hiding, you're not doing any good to anybody. Amen? It's good preaching, right? This is why the church, you and I, need to reach more people. This is why Rockville Assembly God, the plan is that we're to plant churches from our church. We're to send you out to, to be a missionary. You're a missionary. I talked about that last week. Isn't that awesome? You see, the presence of believers in the military, in the business, in the education, in the industries, on the campus, on the playing fields, will amazingly elevate the level of living. There, there's a case in point that there, were, there, there was this uh, couple churches, they, they were going to go to the certain, I can't remember the part of, of Mexico, this was, a, this was done in the, in, the, in the late 90s, or middle 90s. And, and so they were, they were going to go send, their, they were going to start churches in this, in this part of Mexico, and I, I, I apologize, I I have it written down, but I forgot the name of the place right now. And so what they began to do is they began to pray over this place for a year, pray and fast over this place. And then they began to send Christians in. They began to send Christians in as, as missionaries. And then they began to start new churches. And, and it, was, it was significantly noticed that the crime level went down. I mean, everything, bad moral things went down and righteous living began to increase. Why? Because the church was the salt. You see, we live in a very secular, humanistic society, don't we? Even here in Maryland, in Washington, D.C. area. And the problem is the church is not being salt. We're allowing the world to get away with what they want instead of us just being the salt at work, in our homes, in our schools. You don't have to be offensive. A little salt can go a long way, correct? Let Christ come out of your life, amen? 
But you see, the problem is, is, is if the church hides, our absence will, will allow unbelievable depths of depravity. Look at the garbage on TV. Look at the mu- listen to the music that we're listening to. I mean, sometimes, I know because I like music and I listen to music and sometimes 80s day, we go to a restaurant or, or I, I'll put in some 80s music and I'm thinking, like, eh, that's not probably that good. But then I listen to some music today and some of it's better, some of it's even worse. I'm not talking musical, I'm talking what they're talking about. And so what I'm saying is we are to be light and salt, amen? In fact, Pastor Kent Hughes says, believers, salty believers are the world's preservatives. The church must arise. We must not abandon society. Come on, say, I will not abandon society. The world needs me. See, now you said it, so be salt. Amen? The next part of this, salt is a seasoning. Salt makes things taste better, right? Bland mashed potatoes, man, it's awesome. You put a little salt and butter in there, isn't that awesome? Come on, amen? Sometimes those, those bland French fries, now there's times you put too much salt on. But you see, the true Christian in today's society should make the world a better place. Really, you should make your workplace better, your school. Not only are our lives meant to reprove evil, but we're to also elicit, again, the better response from people's lives. We're to live in such a way that others are drawn to Christ because of our lifestyles. Come on, amen? Your co-workers should be saying, like, they, like this sheikh said, to Arthur Blessed, there's something you have, I want it. What is it? What is it? In fact, one, one lady was so afraid, uh, one pastor really said that one lady was so afraid of talking about Jesus because of the political correctness that she wouldn't mention it. Well, I just live my life. And, and so the guy kept asking, what's wrong? Oh, I know, you're a vegetarian. And I was like, no, you had an opportunity to talk about Jesus, but you would not share Jesus. When they're asking you what's, what's in your life, that's an open door. God gives you permission. Hey, it's Jesus in my life. I'm not perfect, but he is making a way in my life. Amen? This is good. Amen? 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see, believers are not to look like they're dead or lifeless or hiding. Amen? In fact, check this out. A, 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 a former um, Supreme Court judge, Oliver Wendell Holmes, put it this way. I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen had not acted and looked so much like undertakers. A, a belie- you get that? An undertaker. A mortician. Some of you didn't get that. Okay, when you die, your family has a funeral for you generally. They take you to, off sometimes not, but they take you and there's a mortician or an undertaker. And he was saying that some of the clergy around him, they looked like they were dead. And the church was dead. When you walked in, you could smell the formaldehyde. And so when a church is like that, thank the Lord our church is not like that. Amen? But we are not to be dead. Because again, Christ is in us. Amen? You see, Christianity brings spice and zest. I'm not saying you have to jump off mountains on bungee cords. I'm not saying you have to have adrenaline rushes. I'm just saying be filled with the Spirit and life will not be boring. Come on, amen? I guarantee you, you start going to work and laying hands on people as the Lord leads you to, and people start getting healed, they're going to know Jesus is in them. Teenager, you don't have to be like everyone at the school and, and cursing like them and trying to be like them. Why not let the Spirit of God rule in your life and you be a light to your co-worker, your classmates? Come on, amen? Come on, amen? When I was in high school, 
I know I was weird because I wanted to be like Jesus. I didn't go to the parties. Sure, I had an attitude sometimes. Sure, I didn't do. I was immature. But I led my classmates to the Lord because I wanted to be salt and light. They didn't lead me down their road. I led them down my road. You can do it at school. Guess what? When I got in the workforce, I did the same thing because I believed the scripture. Jesus said salt and light. It wasn't me, it was Jesus. You can be so Well, I'll get fired, Pastor. No, you won't. Your workplace needs you. You're the salt. You're the place keeping that place from going to hell. Seriously, I mean, there's an angel of God probably ready to strike that place, but because you're working there, he's not yet done it. I might be kind of kidding, but I might be a little serious. Stop being afraid of being a Christian. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to get up on the pews and start yelling at them, You better get saved! They're, those are weirdos. Okay? I remember, I remember in college, going to Colorado State University, we had a place called The Wall. I told you about this. And, and yes, the, the old tide fire and brimstone guys would get up there, and they would look, they look like hippies. They would get up there and they start yelling, You're going to... They're yelling, You're burning! You're going to go to hell! And I'm thinking, Oh, Jesus, please stop them! Stop them! Because it's making it hard for us believers on campus to win them. But you see, we... I would sit around and the, the people would mock them. I'd say, you know what? They're a little crazy and fanatical, but hey, we're not all like that. See? You can correct people. Do you see that? You're like looking at me like, salt tastes good on potatoes. <laughs> huh? What? Yeah. You taste good in a dying world. Come on, Amen. Check this out. Christians must not only be salty, but they're to be salty in everything. Remember I talked about the ten times greater. Believers, check this out. Believers should be writing the best plays. We should be writing the best books. Come on, right? We should be the most courteous. We should work the hardest. We should be the best doctors, the best lawyers, the best scientists. We should be the best musicians, the best painters. We should be the best technicians. We should be the best craftsmen. We should be the best students. That's what we're to be. But the church isn't, oh, well, we can't be like them. Yes, you can be greater. Remember, I keep going back to to Daniel chapter 1 where it says that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were ten times greater in everything. You need to start praying that prayer. Because if not, I'm going to shake you. No, I'm not. I'm serious. You should not go through life being the worst employee. You should not be the worst student. You should not be the worst in anything. You, You should be always at the top because Christ lives in your life. Come on, amen? When is a church going to be salt and light? The next thing. Salt is painful to an open wound. Ouch, right? How many of you know slavery is evil? And in this country, President Abraham Lincoln wrote the Emancipation Proclamation and began to outlaw slavery. Now, unfortunately, it still happens in different forms. And then in England, before that, there was a man named William Wilberforce. What a name, right? William Wilberforce was a man of diminutive nature. But he got on people's nerves. He wasn't very strong, but he got on people's nerves because he was, he was an abolitionist. He was against slavery. In fact, the movie, there was a movie that came out a few years ago called Amazing Grace. Uh, and that song that we sang this morning was, was connected to that. And if you've never seen that, read about William Wilberforce or watch that video, you should watch, get, rent the DVD, download it, however you do that today, and watch it. William Wilberforce... So annoyed Parliament and the politicians and society. People hated him. He was salt in an open wound of slavery. He was calling it a curse. It's evil. It's wicked. And other Christians stood up with him and said, it's wrong. It's evil. In fact, the guy that wrote the the song, Amazing Grace, was once a slave trader. Did you know that? 
And he repented and said, look what God has done. He saved an evil person like me. Because one man, William Wilberforce, was willing to stand up in front of all of England and all of Great Britain and all its calling and say, slavery is wrong. And you see today, as Christians, we are salt in an open wound. Amen? And in a day when people uphold marriage between a man and a woman, when we oppose abortion, when we speak out against racial prejudice, when we fight against uh, sexual promiscuity, when we fight pornography, when we rescue sex slaves, the message of true righteousness will be opposed. It will bug society, correct? Do you see it today? Christians will be persecuted because we're salt in a wound. But the reality is that wound is actually being healed if we're salt. We're confronting them, amen? Salt is good, but it can be painful. People don't like hearing that they're living in sin. You don't have to go and tell them. You just need to be salt. Come on, amen? I relayed this. I've said this before. I relayed this message in the Bible study a couple weeks ago. By the way, 7 o'clock, Wednesday nights. Love to have you. Rangers, youth, uh, uh, impact, a little Bible study. Just bring everyone, amen? Come at 6 o'clock. You do homework. Eat your, your, your meal. It's awesome. And I was talking about uh, one, of my, one of my brothers is a believer now. One is, is not. Uh, he's kind of going a different route. But, but I would purposely hang out with my brothers. I'd go, go, I'd go golfing with them. I'd go to their house. Uh, and, and, and they were both not living very godly lives. And, and so I, you know, I'd go to church all the time. And, and I, did, I never quoted the Bible in front of them uh, on purpose. I, mean, I would quote it in my words. I never read the Bible in front of them. I didn't want to go to the house. And I wouldn't at the golf course. You know, hold on, guys. Let's get on and let's pray. Dear Jesus, yes, I didn't pull the Bible out while we're putting. Oh, God, for God so loved the world. I never did that. But here's what happened. My middle brother, Gary, would some, he, one time, in fact, he, he'd say, he would say, Stan, I'm tired of you telling me that my life is not good. I'm tired of you preaching. I said, Gary, when have I said that? You never have. When have I preached at you? You never have. Why? Because I was salt in an open wound. And, and years later, now he's a believer. You are salt in an open room, and your life sometimes bugs those around you because they know they're not living a righteous life. Come on, amen? You can't always be sugary sweet. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, excuse me. Pardon me. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I don't want to offend you. Sometimes salt gets in a wound, and it hurts. Come on, amen? Now, I'm not giving permission to be a, a, a obnoxious. I'm not giving you permission to be, you know, your, your job, by the way, your job, unless you're the CEO, your job is not to correct everyone. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit's job. You're to be light and salt in that place. And so, so, it, it, it bugs people. The message bearer is, is therefore hated. John 15, Jesus said, 18 through 20, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world... It would love you as, as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Now again, you don't always have to be offensive. People don't always have to hate you, but there are certain times when you're gonna, your lifestyle is going to convict them of their, li- of their lifestyle. We're seeing that now. In fact, it's, it's, it's pretty funny because the Winter Olympics uh, happened. And uh, in fact, if you, it, the, news, uh, the newsletter, you get it pretty soon. There was one of the skiers, uh, Wise. His last name was Wise. He, was one of the, uh, he, he won a, an Olympic gold medal. And it's kind of interesting because the, the NBC news reporter, because he's a Christian and married and responsible and has a child, the, the, the news reporter said he's living an alternate lifestyle. I thought, wow, that's amazing that they switched that. 
that this man who loves Jesus, loves his wife, loves his kid, and won a gold medal, he's living an alternate lifestyle. Do you see what's happening in our society? Christians are being called the weirdos. We're called the freaks. When we're actually to be salt, amen? So here's what happens. Let her ask. Loss of salt. Now, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. Pastor Stan, I have a degree in science. In fact, I have a, de- I have a master's degree in salinity. That's awesome. Salt in itself. Sodium chloride. N-A-C-L. Okay? You scientist. Does not lose its salinity. It can be dissolved, right? You scientist. Right? Scientist. Just nod your head. Okay, I'm not a scientist. I once studied science, but I know. N-A-C-L. Sodium chloride. Never loses its salinity. Okay, so what? What? Wait a minute. So Jesus. Oh, see, I knew that. I knew Jesus was wrong because there's no way salt can lose its salinity. No, you got to hear me out. Here's what he's saying. He's saying if salt loses its saltiness, it's no good. And in the ancient world, remember, salt was traded. So instead of you pulling out your debit card. So you pull out gold coins. So if you pull out the cash, they would pull out a bag of sand, or salt. I'm sorry. They pull out a, a bag of salt. I'm getting ahead of myself. And they they take the salt and say, "Yes, give me that whole side of beef right there. Here's my bag of salt." And so, as you know, because people sometimes find ways to cheat. I know none of you ever do that, right? Amen. So they would add white powdery substance to the salt, so they could use less salt and get more beef. So the salt began to lose its salinity because it began to be mixed with other stuff. And so then the, the people would go home and they're like, hey, the potatoes need salt. And they're like, I just put a whole bag of salt and it doesn't even, something's wrong. We're like, oh, we got ripped off again. And so what Jesus was saying was in reality, salt stays salty. But people were mixing the, the white powder or sand with the salt and it lost its salinity. So what happens is, check this out. When believers mix the ways of the world into our lives, we lose our saltiness. This is deep. When we begin to act like the world and take on their traits, we begin to lose the anointing of God in our lives. When we try to mix the world with God, people don't see Jesus in us as much. It's really quiet right now. If we are readily accepted by the world because we adopt their lifestyle, we are not salt. If our lifestyle is not anything different than the unbelievers around us, then we're not salt. So the question I have for me, you and I, is do we blend in so well that people can't see Jesus in us? Do we participate? I mean, are we getting stoned with them? Are we stealing? I mean, really, Christians, you should not be getting stoned. You should not be getting drunk. Come on, that's good preaching. You should not be lying. You should not be bad mad. I know because I struggle with the bad mouthing. I'm struggling. I struggle with it. I'm being honest with you. I, I, and the Bible is very clear. You shouldn't do those things because we're different. Come on, amen? See, if you and I have to defend our, unlike, un, our unsalty lifestyle to other believers, maybe we're becoming too much like the world. Did you hear what I just said? James, this is fact. James, the brother of Jesus, said this. James 4.4, 4, you adulterous people. Wow, he didn't hold anything back, did he? Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So you and I need to ask ourselves, is there any difference between them and me? 
And I'm not asking to be legalistic. I'm just asking you to get closer to Jesus because when Jesus comes in your life, He begins to change you. That addiction for alcohol and drugs and partying or lying and all that, the God begins to clean that out of you. That salt works in you as well. But the less you're with that salt, the more you become like the powder of the world. Do you see what I'm talking about? And so Jesus was saying, if you're like the world, you're useless to, to the kingdom of God. You, you're, just, you're just like them and you're not being a different light to them. So how is saltiness restored? I already said it to you. Here it is. Are you, are you ready for this? Here's how saltiness was restored. You must return to your first love, Jesus. He has to be first in your life. He should be your first love. In John 15, it says, abide in Jesus. It says, if you abide in Jesus, He'll what? Come on, He'll what? He'll abide in you. Thank God you're here listening to this message. Amen? The church must concentrate, again, on being the great commandment and the great commission. We can't be all things to all people. We must be the hands of Jesus. Amen? Now, the other thing, again, as I said also, too much salt in one place really does no good. In fact, a couple years ago, you know, again, we, we might get more snow. I pray we don't. But a few years ago, uh, when we were cleaning up uh, the snow, when we got, we, we, a big chunk of uh, the, the ice melt we used fell on the, uh, the grass out there. And you, what happens? Do you know? It died. You see, when you get a bunch of believers stuck together and they don't want to get out and they, just, they, they burn holes in the ground. We're meant to be spread out some. You've you got to come together for worship. You've got to come to prayer. You've got, you got to fellowship because you've got to hang out with Jesus. But if you're always only wanting to be around the church, we're, just, we're going to burn each other out. Good preaching, right? Be salt in the world that needs salt. Amen? Come on, amen? You doing good now? You see, you can have too much salt and a believer can be have so heavily minded they're, they're no earthly good. Amen? A bag of salt does no good on a snowy day left in the garage. Come on, amen? Salt in the salt shaker does not help your potatoes if it's left in the salt shaker. Likewise, Christians, we must not abandon society. Well, I don't, I don't want my kids around this. I don't want to be around this. You don't have to be like them. But you can be like Christ in the world. Amen? Because then the, the world will change. Remember I talked about the revival in, in the Welsh Islands where the, it was so radical, they, they, almost, they disbanded many police officers because drunkenness and disorderliness went away. Disorderliness went away. The mules and the donkeys and, and the, the Shetland ponies did not understand the commands of the, the miners because they weren't cursing at them anymore. We don't need to legislate it. When Jesus is made known, people will change. Amen? Man, this is good stuff. Amen? Let's talk about light. By the way, did you notice the cross has like a little light around it? Some of you thought, wow, heaven, I, I thought there was an aura around the cross. Well, yeah, that's good. Go with that. So this is part of the house, home for the, house, for the house thing. We, we're having electricians in. They put some stuff. You're going to see some other changes, but we got a little cool light around the, the cross. Isn't that awesome? Some of you didn't know there was a cross up there. Amen. So the first thing is, is the purpose of light. Again, you are the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before man that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Letter A. The purpose of light. 
light pushes back darkness. Right? It pushes back darkness. John 3, 19-21 says this, and I'm getting, I'm getting close to the end. Actually, believe it or not, I just have one more full page of notes. Matt, it takes two hours. John 3. This is the verdict. Light has come in the world. Check this out. You wonder why. Light has come into the world, but men have loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what, uh, what he has done has been done through God. Now, it's interesting because you hear this, and, and I'm all for more education. I'm all for you being smart. But, but we keep hearing this mantra in society. More, if people were more educated, we'd have less crime. If, we had, if people knew more about things, then we'd have less stuff. But the reality is people are more educated, but we're unraveling. Come on, amen? Come on, we're enlightened, but we're still getting worse. I mean, I mean if, it, if education were truly the answer to mankind's problems, then... then we would live in a perfect world. Last time I looked at the world, it's not perfect. I'm all, I'm all for you getting a master's dog. I'm all for your kids learning well. But if they don't know about Jesus, that's not going to help them a whole lot. Come on, amen? You see, the world is old. So we, we're so educated. We keep inventing these new toys and these new technologies. The result is that, that we know more, but, but we still prefer to do evil. Why? Because the light sheds light on our sins. And the result is, humans know what's right, but they prefer to do what's evil when they live in this sin nature. Come on, amen? Everyone has a conscience. Everyone is born with a conscience. And it warns us when we're doing wrong. But the problem is, we still like doing the wrong things. Right? Come on, right? The problem is not man's intellect. The problem is the sinful nature. And light not only exposes darkness, but it shows the way to be free of the darkness. You can see the darkness just gets worse and it destroys people's lives. Amen? Come on, amen? Someone open the windows and turn the air conditioner on because you guys are getting sleepy on me. Letter B, light promotes life. Light promotes life. John 8 through 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness and he, but will have the light of life. Again, it's scientifically proven that a lack of sunlight in a person's life causes problems. Did you know that? Okay, I know, I know, I know there are a few people, well, Pastor, there are those with sundowners disease. That's a very small amount of people in society. But studies have proven that people that live in areas that, that the sun doesn't shine much, they're more depressed. Okay? It's, it's also proven that you need vitamin D not through milk only, but through the sun. In fact, recently the, the doctor told my wife, get out in the sun. Of course, it's been cold. Like No one wants to go out in the sun because it's too cold. I understand that. But ask a farmer. He wants the sunlight to be on his crops, right? Light promotes life, right? Even scientifically broken bones mend faster when you can soak up more sunlight. Isn't that awesome? You see, the light of Jesus exposed on our sin promotes life. It shows you where to go. It shows you how to get out of darkness. Isn't this awesome? In fact, Proverbs 14.34, our society's got it so mixed up. It says this righteousness exalts a nation. It didn't say economy. It didn't say government. It said righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Righteous living through the light of Christ and righteous speech is not a hate, but it brings life to a nation. 
So when the world tells us to shut up, to keep ourselves quiet and, and keep our light out, we're hurting the world by doing that. We need to be the light of Christ that brings healing to the land. Amen? You see, it says here, it says, righteousness exalts a nation. Amen? Come on, be free of the Democrats. Be free of the Republicans. Come on, amen? Be free of the capitalistic society and be the gospel. Amen? Light cannot be hidden. I've got to move on. Again, Jesus said, you're a light on a hill. You can't be hidden. Check this out. If you worship and you hang out with Jesus, guess what? He's going to come out of your life. He's just going to come out of your life. You can't hide Jesus in your life. But the problem is we do. We try to hide him. Oh, I can't talk about Jesus. You don't have to preach Jesus. Just be like Jesus. Amen? Jesus in your life, he cannot be hidden. A person truly living and functioning as a Christian, they're going to stand out. You don't, I'm not talking weird. You're not weird. The world thinks you're weird, but you don't have to be weird. There's lots of weirdos out there. You're just different because you're Christ-like. Amen? Come on, amen? This is good stuff. People will notice that you're different. A true Christian doesn't even desire to hide the light. You should not be ashamed of Jesus. Remember, God said, do not be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power. Come on. Come on, you know it, right? In fact, there is no such thing as an invisible believer. Come on, if you're an invisible believer, then then you're maybe not a real Christian. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, if you're ashamed of Christ, you should never be ashamed of him. Stop listening to what the world says. You're Christ-like. That's what changes the world. Amen? Letter D, light shows the way. I'm almost done. Light shows the way. Come on, say light shows the way. If you don't believe me, drive down a dark road and turn off your lights and see what happens. But don't come and sue me because it's not my fault that you were crazy enough to do it. Okay? Don't do that, by the way. In fact, if you're listening on, on podcasts, do not turn your lights off on a dark road. Amen. I was just using this example. You see, many of us have been on a plane or driving in a car out, out in the country. Not, and so all of a sudden you, you, you can see the plane coming into, a, into the lights of the city or driving. And you're like, you see the, the city on a hill. In fact, I hear that, that uh, uh, in South America, some of those mountains in Peru or in Chile, there are certain cities on the hill that you can see from miles and miles and miles around. You see, that's what a Christ-like should be like. In fact, the Lord gives me visions, and I know you think you're crazy. He gives me visions of this church that we're like a lighthouse. And it, the light is beaming out, but the darkness is trying to push back the, dark, the light. And God's light is trying to permeate it. And in fact, it's trying to expose people and set them free. But the world keeps pushing it back. But God is more powerful than that. And so I'm asking you to be a light that lights the way. Believers are a reflection of Jesus Christ. We're pointing the way. 2 Corinthians 3.18 and, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. People see Jesus on you in your words, your deeds, your life, your smile. Amen? Letter E, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Listen, can I be honest with you? No one really cares about your politics. No one really cares if you watch Fox News or MSNBC. No one cares about your sports teams. I don't care. Ultimately, I don't care about the Denver Broncos. God's football team. He might, but I don't. I'm just kidding. Kind of. People don't care about that. They just care about how we can help them. They care about the person we know and his name is Jesus. Isn't it? Everyone name drops. Oh, I know. I know so-and-so. I know so-and-so. And I know so-and-so. But did you know you know the most important person in the world? 
His name is? Amen. You're getting it. Let your light shine. Amen. Our function is to shine like stars in a dark world. Philippians 2, 14-15. Do everything without complaining or arguing. This is Pastor Jane. He needs his help in this area. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Let me, let me talk about that for a second. You don't have to argue with everybody. Come on, amen? That's not your job. Your job is to shine. Pastor Stan, your job is to shine. Quit arguing with everybody. Amen, I got it. I'll, I'll work hard. Help me, Lord. Okay, I got it, okay? I repented in front of you. The world needs you to shine. Amen? They don't need more about the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the Independent Party. They don't need more about global politics or communism. They need Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? I, I hope the Lord is rattling you up a little bit. I hope the Holy Spirit is working on you. You see, the world needs salt and light. Stand up, please. You are the salt and light. You are the salt and light to this, wor- this world. You cannot hide it anymore. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? It's the power of God transforming the world. The church should be the preeminent, again, of society. Are you hearing me? Amen? Here's your job. The, the altar is not for you to come to the front. The altar is for you to be salt and light. Your job is to be salt and light. Your job is to say, Lord, help me to lead people to Christ this month, this year. This Help me to disciple them. Let me be the preserving agent. Remember all those things? You're to be the preserving agent. You're to be that salt in the womb that brings healing to a dying land. This world, I don't know how much more I need to preach about it. You and I need to be salt and light. Come on, amen? Let God work through you. Don't be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I don't want to get weird. I don't want to roll on the floor. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird and roll on the floor in the light out in the dark world. He speaks to you. He tells you what to say to people. Come on, amen? If I was here, and, I, and Thomas, if he could testify that the, the, sometimes the Indian families would get together for fellowship and, and pray and have a meal, and they're inviting these Hindu uh, co-workers to the, to the meal, and the Holy Spirit revealed to Thomas about this, little, this Hindu young girl who had come from India, and she is crying, and, I, and Thomas said to her, she said, God sees that you're crying at night. You're crying out and you're crying out to all these gods, but they're not answering, but God wants. And she said, how did you know I'm crying? It's because God told me. That's not weird. It is kind of weird. But we're not handling snakes. We're not rolling around the floor. We're not... (laughs) That's weird. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says stuff specifically that they know about, and only they know about, that opens their eyes. Now, by the way, you can lay hands on people and they can be free. Sometimes you're going to fall on the Holy Spirit. You don't have to act weird on the floor. You know what I'm talking about? You can speak in tongues and sometimes, well, I don't want to talk in tongues because it's weird. Sometimes it draws people to Christ. Multitudes of times, multitudes of times I've heard people say, I spoke in tongues. And a person will say, hey, you, were, you spoke in the perfect dialect of my native language. And I understood what God was saying to me. And like, I understood nothing. I thought I was speaking in tongues. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't be afraid of this Holy Spirit. He wants to flow out of you. Father, would you send this church? Everyone there is an agent. A preservative agent and an agent of light. Our world needs the church to be the church. God, 